Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Jaybird Watching. I guess I should be saying good morning. We happen to be recording this on a Tuesday evening for the Wednesday wall-up here with Brendan Panikar and Craig Borden. And, Brendan, how's it going, buddy? Good, man. It's uh, good to keep this going and do the, the Wednesday wall-up. I kind of uh, warmed up to that name. Since, uh, <laughs> I have, too. I, I, I couldn't chop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just something funny. Like the Wednesday wisdom wallop or Wednesday wallop, whatever you want to call it, I like it. Let's roll with that. Yeah, I kind of felt like uh, I was like, okay, well, Wednesday usually I used to go good in college. I would get drunk and walk out of the bar, and it was more of a Wednesday wobble. <laughs> but it wasn't so <laughs> hey, it much. Could be uh, that too. Exactly. So, but anyway, we're gonna stick with the baseball terminology here, as we made all the bird puns and everything already with everything else. Um, so. <laughs> As far as all the good stuff goes, um, I'm going to let you lead off here, my friend, as far as uh, free agent signings go. And we had plenty of news today, and it's going to help shape some of the wonderful moves that are hopefully going to come for the Blue Jays' future. Well, you know, all these moves lately, Craig, have been stuff that can and will affect the Jays' offseason plans. I mean, Corbin getting six years, 160, I believe the final total was, with the Nationals seems that he was going to command a lot of money, but that just sounds a little crazy to me considering he figured something out last year that he didn't have any of the previous years other than his 2013 season. So, I mean, hey, the Nationals now have a really stacked rotation up at the top with uh, Scherzer, Corbin. So, hey, good for them. I thought I definitely thought he was going to go to the Phillies. I didn't think the Nationals were pony up, but I guess they figured Bryce ain't coming back. But, you know, Craig, that kind of leads into J-Hap, and Mason Avalli, probably the next two names after Patrick Corbin, have been most sought after, especially by the Yankees. I don't know. I know we've been hammering for Hap to come back. Maybe not hammering, I would say, but being like, hey, we'll welcome back with open arms. But considering the Yankees wouldn't go or budge on five years on Corbin, they definitely don't want to commit too much length to a starter, which then falls right back into the wheelhouse for Jay Hap. So... It definitely doesn't seem like J-Hap's going to be returning. And even though Morosi's reports generally are full of fluff, he said that the Yankees have fully turned their attention to Hap and Evaldi. So Corbin, the Corbin signing basically has a ripple effect on the Jays because it's unlikely now that Hap will return. Yeah, I'm actually kind of shocked this move happened this week. I, w I figured this Patrick Corbin move had nothing but winter meeting written all over it because he'd have a chance to like finally showcase that last little bit around and maybe some of the teams he hadn't fully visited kind of thing or at least do that recheck with everybody and let the bidding war start. But clearly it already had started six years for a 29-year-old for 140 mil. It's a very nice price tag if he does what he did last year, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd touch this with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I would either. I mean, you just look at his Fangraphs page. He had an 11.07K per nine. 
he was never anywhere close to that in his previous years with the Diamondbacks. I think his highest was 8.45. So maybe he figured something out last year, and lefties, as we know with J-Hop, take longer to figure it out and can be good later into their careers compared to righties who tend to figure it out a lot quicker. So maybe the Nationals believe what Corbin figured out last year with Arizona could translate into the next few years for them, and maybe they'll finally get over that hump and actually win a playoff series. Uh, that that NL East now, Donaldson going to the Braves, the Mets getting Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz, and consistently being linked to other free agents in trades like Corey Kluber. You know the Mets aren't even close to being done now. So that 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 NL that NL East is going to be nuts next year, no doubt about that. Yeah, I think they saw that it was live Twitter footage uh, of the uh, NL East. It was this the clip from Anchorman where everybody was brawling. <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, I, I really think the NL East is going to become that, like, just a melting pie. I really do think the Braves are still the team to beat in that division, but these guys are all catching up, and this pitching staff that the Nationals are now uncuffing here, um, you got Scherzer and Strasburg. The nice thing I like about this deal, at least, this is a really one positive I can find about it, then I think it's going to lead to the success if Corbin has any. He doesn't have to be the man after signing this contract. Exactly. He was the man in Arizona the past few years. So, hey, I mean, hey good for them. I mean, other than Grinky, uh, Corbin really was the man the last few years before Grinky even got there. So yep. maybe uh, some alleviated pressure will help because he can lean on at least Scherzer, I don't know how healthy Strasburg can stay. He's dealt with that his entire career. But you know what? Even continue to talk about the NL East, the national, the uh, not the national the, the Braves still need a starter to go full Tanevich at the top of the rotation. Maybe that has an effect on the Blue Jays as well with Stroman and Sanchez, who continue to garner trade interest, and that Alex and Bobo's connection coming back into play again with the Braves. Maybe they pony up and offer the Blue Jays something they can't turn down for Stroman or Aaron Sanchez to have that potential other horse up at the top of the rotation with Fulton Evich. Yeah, or for all we know, that AA is just going to snipe Hap and bring him right down to Atlanta for the last three years of his career. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen. He could do that, too. Yeah, he has that connection with J-Hap as well. So, I mean, all these moves that have happened in the NL East, it, uh, the Blue Jays, I mean, all, all major league teams, but it still seems like the Blue Jays' plans hinge on a lot of the moves that have already been made in that division. So it's crazy to think that there's so many connections already. Yeah, the big thing I think at least what's going on between the Cano at Diaz and everybody trades and the signings the last few days, this has established the market, and it's established it, I think, a little bit quicker than it has over the last few years. I don't see this being, with these guys signing this early, this another year where we have guys, our main free agents in baseball, signing halfway through spring training or last week. This is just, I think it's pushed everything right to the forefront with these big names signing I really don't think Bryce Harper is going to happen anytime soon, but I wasn't expecting Corbin yeah. to sign until the winter meeting, so I, everything seems like it's a week ahead at least at this point. You know what? It's so exciting now that the hot stove is fully turned on and heated up compared to last year when there was absolutely nothing in the market and the trades were completely dead even after the winter meetings and into January. So it's nice to see it get started already. It really is. Yeah, the only thing I really enjoy, I enjoyed at the winter meetings last year was at least intentional talk with Pilar and uh, or Kevin Millar and uh, Rose were on, so at least they had those goofs. So, but that was about it. There wasn't a lot of news last season to go really riding on, especially for Blue Jays fans. 
Um, and like I, yeah. when I talked, I don't think that's going to change suit anymore than it has, you know, recently. We're going to know, we know the kids are coming. And it's going to be one of those things. I think some of these guys, as this free agent market pans out, there might be some really decent guys that you might be able to sign on a couple-year deal here that are the uh, difference makers for what could be a competitive 2019 um, or at least running around and looking like a good team over the next couple of years before everything hits on all cylinders because that's going to happen. Best-case so. scenario for the 20, 2019 Jays is they end up being exactly like or maybe a little bit less than what the Rays just did. If they can do that, then 2020 and 2021 can be really, really fun once Vlad is more established and Bo gets up here and maybe the likes of Nate Pearson comes into the rotation. So, you know what? A lot of these, like, as we said, they're probably not going to do much around the around the winter meetings, maybe a minor signing or two, but that opens up all the list of guys who just got non-tender green. Think about it, doesn't it? Oh, yes, it does, 100%. And uh, my big thing, I'd like to see the... I think they need to hit 500 this year for the record, and I think if they get 85 wins, this team's already right in the right direction that they need to be in. I think that's a reasonable goal for, like you said, a Tampa Bay shot for 2019 Blue Jays. We'll see if they put enough together, and I really think that, um, I don't know if the lofty steamer reports on <laughs> Vlad Jr. are going to be that obscene that we've been seeing on fan graphs, but you never know. If uh, I really think Dan yeah. Jansen's going to run into this catching job and be very good. It's going to hinge a lot on the pitching, and um, I think we're going to hit this point here in a minute, but we need to get guys on base, and I think that's what yeah. might be lingering around here on this non-tender list. So why don't we just dive into that first here, now that we kind of set the forefront up here. Um, big news, is, and I guess not so much news, actually, as it was going to be pretty much all on. Younger Solarte being non-tendered by the Blue Jays after what was an insane start for him, but then came to the complete awful train wreck, derailing, smashed into a crate, uh, cliff you know, <laughs> after the play. <laughs> um, I loved watching Solarte play, but you could just tell after that injury and he came back, there was something not right, and he just wanted to be out on the field, couldn't get the timing back, and it was just one of those things, now the kids are right up on his heels, why would you hold on to him? Exactly. And you know what? They, were, they obviously were trying to shop him much like they shopped Aledmus Diaz, who had a, a better year than Solarte, and there was going to be nobody taking Solarte. He was the third worst player by F4 in the majors last year when it was all said and done. So it's not a surprise that he got non-tendered, and it opens up. And you know what? There's not there's not, not a log jam in the, uh, in the, in the infield right now, which is nice. You can start to see the infield picture come together. Yeah, especially after the Diaz trade and uh, now Solarte being gone. The shocking thing after the fact that is still possibly convoluting that num- number a little bit is Devin Travis has been, is going to be offered a contract by the Toronto Blue Jays, and many thought that he was not going to be uh, heading up to this non-tender date. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that he's back. I really think that he can be a spark plug in the lineup, and I, I think he, we finally started seeing the normal Devin Travis again at the end of the season. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, it makes sense that he's back. And it, it, to open up the year until Vlad Jr. finally gets up here, and again, it's probably going to be no rush by the front office to get him up here, even after the Super 2 cutoff in late May, or sorry, late April, early May. Um, they won't need to rush him, especially if Travis is playing well and Brandon Drury stays healthy and can run with the third base job. It, it just all fits together right now. Travis is at second. Brandon Drury is going to open up at third. And then 
lyric story are probably at shortstop because there really is nothing, no development on if Tulo will be ready at all. But it, it, it's all cleared now. There's no more logjam. Urania could end up with an infield job off of the bench, which wouldn't be terrible. I mean, he's not very good. But um, non-tendering Solarte, trading Diaz, and tendering a contract to Devin Travis just makes the most sense. But I think you and I both agree on this, as would almost all Blue Jay fans. This year is the most crucial for Devin Travis moving forward because if he doesn't stay healthy and doesn't be that star pug, which we've seen him have the ability to be, he will probably be a non-tender candidate next year if things don't go well for him this year. Yeah, and um, that's just because the Biggios, the Bichettes, everybody will be up by that point. He'll be almost forced out at that point. It's almost, it's, it's almost as bad as it was for the rookies because they're almost going to be playing out from each other. <laughs> so where oh, do you lose Devin Travis in that situation? You know, so. Well, I, I, I mean, you go through the Blue Jays' top 30 prospects right now, and all of these guys are all their top position players are infielders. Vlad, Bo, Danny Jansen at behind the plate, Kevin Smith, Jordan Groshans, even though Groshans is much further away, Kevin Biggio, Anthony Alford is really is the only outfielder in their top ten that's not a pitcher or an infielder. So there's going to be a log jam there, which could open up potential for a, a bigger trade this offseason. But uh, if it's it's coming together, which is actually quite nice to see, and they can start focusing on filling out the rest of the roster and where some more non-tender candidates come into effect, like bullpen arms or maybe a back end of the rotation starter like a Mike Fires. So there's not going to be a whole lot of work, but there are a few non-tenders where I think you, both, you and I can both agree they'll be looking at and probably looking at hard. Yeah, and with the eventual arrival of the Kevin Smiths and the Groshans and everybody else, it's like I said, it's only becoming more and more complicated every day, every year, so on and so forth. But the one big thing that the Blue Jays did get in news today, or at least seems to be all of a sudden uh, the big talk, everybody's talking about our budget. The 2019 season, you know, we lose Russell Martin after this season. Then Troy Tulowinski drops off to 14 mil next year. They're going to have, you know, a decent budget when this team should already be hitting. So you're going to eventually probably not even just squeeze just these kids into the mix, but a good free agent probably at some point yeah. as well. So right now if you were looking at the books and somebody was telling me that we could get Paul Goldschmidt next year, why wouldn't you think about that? <laughs> you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's going to be good this year to see all the kids up here in 2019. It could go like the Rays last year, but if even if it goes belly up and the rotation has the same issues it did last year, at least you start to get an idea for who's going to be around in 2020 and 2021. And with all that money coming off the books, the Blue Jays can then dive into that budget that's available to spend on free agents and start to patch those holes where there's no evident uh, position player or pitcher coming through the system to fill that hole. So 2019, even though it might not be fun uh, from a record standpoint, I think it'll be exciting. And the knowledgeable fans who listen to the Wednesday Wallop and, and just people on Twitter who we both follow that know what they're talking about We'll understand what 2019 is all about. Figure out who's going to be here in 2020 and 2021. Yeah, it's get the kids right. <laughs> it's, it's all it is. It's get it's uh make sure they're hitting all day, every day, and even if they have their growing pains and everything, look, keep trucking them out there. It's it's going to be 
a lot of fun and excitement, but probably sprinkled in with some abysmal times at point. But I don't see, after watching most of these kids play in the minor leagues, uh, Brendan, I don't see this team being a tank. No. I really think 500's achievable with no problem. Yeah. Especially considering the Mariners tear down now, there's another team that was in the wild card race the past few years. I mean, beyond if Oakland can do what they did again last year, outside of the division winners and whichever team in the AL East doesn't win the division between the Yankees and the Red Sox, then you basically have the Oakland Athletics, and then you have everybody else right behind them. So, and the Rays as well. The Rays and the Athletics are probably the top two for wild card two. So, if you are around 500, somewhat exciting, then you're going to be in the conversation a lot longer than they were last year. Yeah, totally agree. And I don't see the Blue Jays not having or having a good chance of actually being this year's Oakland Athletics type team. And it's just what it is. But let's talk the last gentleman that actually is still currently on the rosters. And I know it seems like he's a talking point on this show, <laughs> South of the Six and everywhere all, all the time. Kevin Pillar is going to be also be guaranteed a contract this year of some sort by the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think that was just as surprising as the Devin Travis one to a lot of people just because they haven't gotten fully what we thought we would get out of Kevin Pillar. Yes, the defense is insane, but that's even trickled off over the last year. And his hitting has never been as good as he was in the Meyer Leagues. Your take? No. He can't get on base. Like that, That's evident. He struck out more last year than he ever has before. Uh, he doesn't walk. Uh, I mean, and his defense was really good, but he went from 15 to, I believe, negative 2 in the defensive run-save category last year. So that's falling off, too. I thought there was a little bit of momentum towards a potential non-tender for Kevin Pillar, especially because you're going to have to start to see what you have and open up a full-time spot for Anthony Alford. And I know the excitement with his injuries has completely derailed, A, his career, and B, the excitement about Anthony Alford being that blue chipper to come up and fill an outfield spot for years. You're going to have to start making a call on Anthony Alford. And you know what? The rest of the guys in the system in the outfield, I mean, Blake Smith Jr. has shown he can run with a fourth outfielder's job. they got to see what Teoscar Hernandez looks like with a, a new outfield coach and new outfield alignment on defense. But maybe Teoscar isn't as bad as he showed defensively last year because, I mean, the Astros, he looked all right in the outfield with the Astros a few times, even when he was here in 2016 when he hit his first career home run in Toronto. But you're going to have to start making a call on some of these guys, and that would have required opening up a full-time spot in the outfield. And it, 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 it did surprise me that Pilar got uh, tendered a contract. I thought he was going to be out the door, especially because he's going to start getting more expensive too. Yeah, my biggest thing is, um, I, at least what stuck out to me, is it says that the new management and the brass of the Blue Jays actually likes him, even though he's not really their guy. Um, you know, they brought in Billy McKinney and all these other guys, brought in Randall Grychuk, who's going to obviously be playing right field. Kevin Pillar is the guy that's left around from the old regime still. I was really shocked to see that, you know, okay, two years, he hasn't done what we really full-on were expecting. Maybe it's time to split. And... I, Looking around the major leagues at the other non-tenor candidates, I think some other teams were in that same boat with players equivalent to Kevin Pillar and decided to go the other direction and cut their player. Yeah, 
I mean, Bailey Hamilton is the first one. I don't think he makes the Blue Jays better, but he gives him that aspect of speed. I mean, Bailey Hamilton is a worse hitter than Templar. Never had an OPS higher than 664. So he doesn't give you much more. He Pollard gives you more of the bat, which is surprising to say, but at least he adds that element of speed the Blue Jays really have been lacking for quite a while now. I mean, and you look at other guys, obviously, Garcia was an all-star in 2017, which really now is starting to look like a bit of an outlier, but Alexander Garcia would be an interesting guy to add to the team for a year or two. Robbie Grossman is very similar to Kevin Poir. It, it looks like people are just saying, all right, well, you're just not good enough to give us something on a consistent basis, so we're just going to cut bait with you because nobody else really wants you. Non-tenders are people who teams are probably trying to shop right before they made that decision to cut them loose. They couldn't find any takers, so it's like, all right, well, we're fine cutting bait with you. And I thought the Blue Jays were, were at least going to try that and do that with Kevin Poir. Yeah, especially with the option of having Anthony Alford out there every day or even just moving Randall Grychuk over to center field. We saw him play center on off days for Kevin Pillar. He looked just as good, if not, you know, completely 100% comparable defensively to Kevin Pillar in the games I saw him playing center field. And yeah. This is the guy that the stole a home run at the end of an Astros game. <laughs> so just, I, <laughs> I just think it's the same and Grychuk's upside is insanely better, I think, for especially playing in all the small AL East ballparks. His bat speed is just something of ridiculousness. So, Yeah, if, if Grychuk can stay healthy, not go on a deal, and not start the way he did in, in 2018, I think he felt a lot of pressure to come in and instantly impress, which he admitted that that was the case. When, once he got back from the DL in early June, he was a really good player, and he has a, so much power. He could be a 30 home run, 35 home run guy if he's healthy and gets off to a good start next year, especially in those small AL East ballparks. And he has the same sprint speed as Kevin Pillar, too, so he can get to the exact same balls. And he showed, he's shown that last year when he played in center for Pillar. Yeah, and, um, and I'm not trying to say this bad to either of them because they're both insanely good athletes as far as defense and everything goes, but... Watching Kevin Pillar in the minor leagues, I was actually shocked that when he was brought up to be a center fielder for the Blue Jays, I honestly thought it was going to be more of what happened originally in 2015. You have Dalton Pompey playing in center, and then you have a very, you know, a almost center field worthy player in Kevin Pillar playing left field. Obviously, I can eat my words a little bit on that, <laughs> but it was one of those things. Um, I and maybe that's just the point in the career he is right now. He's an average center fielder where he could be a really good corner outfielder. And maybe that's what the direct the defensive metrics are showing, or it's maybe just the defensive outlier in Kevin Pillar's major league career at this point. Uh, who knows? But anyways, it was rather shocking to see him. And I, I love that you brought Avisol Garcia up because, I, honestly, I think he is as good as that one season showed. And um, I just don't think he had anybody around him in the lineup, and he was suffering for some lingering issues last year, but that White Sox team was abysmal last year, and I think it sucked him right down with it. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. It, it could, it, if they thought Anthony Alford wasn't going to be ready, then Garcia could have been had if Pilar got non-tendered. And he would have been he would have been fine. There would be no risk in bringing Garcia in on a one- or two-year deal just to bridge until some of the other guys are ready or they make a big free agent signing. So it is surprising to me. Uh, it's absolutely surprising, as we've been saying, that Pollard got non-tendered because they would have had so many more options in terms of what they can do with their outfield. Who knows? Maybe once his salary is set, if they make a trade, maybe he can be a throw-in, Kevin Pollard, but I don't know. I think the main reason he's kept around 
is totally off-field related because he is extremely marketable and the fans love him. And so, I don't know, that, that does play into it, into decisions sometimes, which it probably shouldn't if you're trying to build a good baseball team, but um, the fan outrage probably would have been a little too much to take for a little while. But people were forgot about it if somebody else came in and this is the better than Ken Pilar, So, I don't know. Yeah, we'll Unless see. you don't bring another Kendris Morales to replace Edwin Encarnacion, you're all set. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, I got one other outfielder I um, that's an enigma to me that's on this list, and uh, I, I've i always thought that Chris Owings was going to be one of those players that all of a sudden just clicked and was going to be kind of in the Marwin Gonzalez ballpark of a uh, player because he can play everywhere. But his bat last season just didn't catch up to what his uh, previous years were, and obviously the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks have chose to just let him go and fill in their outfield. Is they kind of almost seem like they're doing a quasi on the fly uh, rebuild too, with you know now Corbin just being left out and uh, Granky's being marketed. Apparently, Paul Goldschmidt is out on the market, <laughs> possibly for his last season as a Diamondback, but. It's just one of those things. I thought two years ago, 2016 and 2017, this guy was batting right around 270, and he had 12 home runs in 2017, and that was not even playing every day. He was playing in platoons and jumping in and out of the lineup. 97 games for Chris Owens that year. Last year, got in 106 games, and things kind of didn't look the same as his OPS dropped and everything else, but... Maybe he's one of those guys that's a buy-low candidate if you want to throw somebody in and you weren't maybe trusting the Dwight Smith Jr. to be your fourth outfielder all the time. Somebody like Chris Owens yeah. can jump in in and out of the infield even as well. Kind of like the you know, Ben Zobris type that the Blue Jays have always wanted. <laughs> he is definitely versatile, and there is some power in that bat. But, uh, yeah, there are a lot of intriguing options out there that could be that could be filled into the roster um, as the offseason continues to go along. Yeah. So why don't we uh, talk about a few of those other names? There's a really big name on this list from a few years ago in Shelby Miller. You know, this guy was pretty much the reason that Dansby Swanson, who at the time was just drafted as a number one draft pick, and Ender Inciarte were sent to the Atlanta Braves in exchange for Shelby Miller, who had just came off a really good season at the time. This guy had Tommy John surgery over the last year, and he's looking for a place to show that he still has it, and it's not the uh, terrible, disgusting stuff that he did while he was in Arizona, and it was back to, you know, the 200 innings that he was doing at a 3-0 ERA in Atlanta in 2015. Obviously has not done that since. You know what Shelby Miller instantly screams out to me being, especially after a few Tommy John surgeries? He could be, if he's healthy, and somebody gets him right, he could be this year's version of Nathan Ovaldi. Uh, that sounds a little crazy considering how good Ovaldi was, but almost the exact same scenario. Ovaldi couldn't quite put it together in his years with the with the Yankees uh, and the Marlins, but the velocity was always there. He was injured, struggled with uh, throwing strikes in the strike zone, but Shelby Miller has almost equal velocity to Nathan Ovaldi, and I wouldn't be surprised if some teams could be looking at him as that option to as a reclamation project. And given that the Blue Jays need a back end of the rotation starter, I see no reason why you couldn't at least look at Shelby Miller in being that reclamation project. Because he's, he's only 28, and he throws gas. He can strike out guys like crazy. Even last year, when he pitched in only four games, 
he still struck out 10.69 per game. Now it's a small sample size, but it, it's possible. He's a good arm. He's talented, and he was a blue-chip prospect for the Cardinals and then flipped after a really good season with the Braves. So I would definitely look into Shelby Miller. I think there's something there. There's definitely, even if it's a bullpen arm in the end, that velocity play. Oh, that, that velocity will play all day out of the bullpen. But this is a guy that was Mr. Consistency for three years. You know, he was just under or just over 200 innings from 2013 to 2015 seasons. And the average ERA for those three seasons was like 3.25. You know, it's yeah. it's insane. You know, it, that's the quality pitcher he was. And obviously, the, maybe the money or the trade or the whatever it was got involved. And obviously, the injury you know, to throw really everything off. But I, I I, really don't think he was ever comfortable in Arizona. And maybe it was the high-profile players that he was trading. He felt like he had to live up to it or something like that. But I just, he was so good watching him when he was at the Cardinals and then that one year with Atlanta. He, he was just as good as Blake Snell watching some of these guys, you know, if to give you a current-day prop guy. <laughs> and so... Even... Even if Tip and Exit in those years with uh, with the Cardinals in that one year with the Braves supported that he was almost as good as the VRA showed. And even last year, looking at his fan graph page right now, even though he barely pitched, he had a 10.69 ERA, gave up a ton of home runs. If you normalize that home run rate to, I believe it's 10% or 10.5% of fly balls induced, 3.94, which is a good number considering he had a 10.69 ERA. So... There's still something there if he can control the home run ball and get the ball in the strike zone, which has been an issue in the past. He could be really, really good. Yeah, and this is somebody that clearly is just wanting to get out there and prove himself. You might be able to get him on a nice one-year deal and just let him go out there and truck it. And then, like, it is the Nathan and Baldy thing. Go out, goes out at his, it'll be his age 29, almost 30-year season. I don't know what his birthday exactly is, but um, it would be one of those situations where he'd be, at, bah, he'd be he does good, he's out on the market, and he's happy, you know. But we yeah. milk him for one year, maybe we lock him up. <laughs> Absolutely. It, or if he comes here, he starts off really well. You flip him at the deadline if he's doing really well. And considering his age and potential control and cheap contract, then you will have a buyer who could use him as a as a chip in a playoff run. Yeah, and outside of. You know, I, he's really the only starting pitcher, really, even that was not tendered. You know, I'm I love the shoemakers and the Gravemans of the world, but you know, I just don't see them coming in and being any better than any of the rookie talent that we have. So I'm kind of reluctant to even think about having Kendall Graveman or Matt Shoemaker back on the on our team this year. But maybe I'm wrong. It's good depth, one way or the other, right? Yeah, if it's not uh, Shelby Miller. The only other one that could be all right for a fifth spot in the rotation is Mike Fires, yep. and Fires was traded by to the Athletics for their playoff run and was actually quite good with them. So Fires is another option to fill out the rotation if it's not somebody as high end as, as Shelby Miller. Yeah, and but and like I said, maybe it's just because I would love when I wouldn't be hurt if uh, we walked into this season with Tom Pannone and everybody backing up Stroman and Sanchez. I would love some extra depth because I'm just worried one of them's going to get hurt, and you don't want to force too many innings on the young guys. But according to the Fangraphs projections, they're actually guessing that the Blue Jays are actually going to have a six-man rotation, more or less, or having enough guys to spread 100 innings across six guys at least. 
Yeah, and that way they can at least start making some better evaluations in some of these guys they've stockpiled, like the Trent Thorntons of the world and the Jacob Wagas packs and, and Thomas Panone. Sean Reed Foley and Ryan Barucki right now, I would be penciling in as your three and four unless they add somebody. But beyond then, I wouldn't be surprised if they go to a six-man to keep Aaron Sanchez's innings down to try to keep him healthy. And, again, Strowman's going to have to come back and be healthy as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if they do a six-man rotation. Yeah. I'm going to call a dark horse candidate here for that whole rotation thing just because I wouldn't be shocked, and I'm wondering if the Blue Jays were thinking the same thing when they did the 40-man roster stuff. Patrick Murphy was playing out of his mind, out of his league, and everything this year. <laughs> He's going to... He's in that same age ballpark as Ryan Barucki. It's just because of the injuries he's gotten delayed. So is he maybe closer to being ready than you would think? Maybe he's one of those guys that just trucks right through the minor league system this year and becomes that fifth starter. That's yeah. that's yeah, the kind I mean, of stuff that's he, going on. He did get to double-A last year, even though it was for one start. Very similar to how Barucki got to triple-A last year for one start at the end of the year. I bet he starts there. If he starts dominating, he'll quickly get to Buffalo and he will quickly become an option if he continues to pitch well for the rotation, maybe around July or August, after maybe if Sanchez or Strowman are flipped at the deadline if they're healthy and pitching well. So as as bleak as some people think the farm is, I mean, people are starting to realize it is way much more improved than it was before Shapiro and Atkins got here and put a work on it. Patrick Murphy, I mean, Nate Pearson obviously is the big guy, but there are some arms in the lower minors who could ascend rather quickly to get here. Probably more so by 2020, but Murphy, I definitely agree, could be that guy who gets here towards the end of 2019, if not a little bit sooner. Yeah, I'd love to see Nate Pearson just go into the season and truck three through all the way to the majors, but I just don't see that. I, I think after the one injury, and uh, they're going to try to build up his innings before they even think about that. I don't think they, he makes his debut to 2020 one way or the other. But there's so enough, other, enough other guys. Oh, right. yeah. There's yeah. not that huge standout, but we have guys that I would call as regular everyday rotation filler, you know. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a filler. Like just somebody who can go out there, take the ball every five or six days, and give you decent innings. That's what that's that's what they're going to need next year, and that's what they didn't get this past year. Yeah, and to eat up the rest of those innings, uh, most of these guys that were non-tenders are um, relief pitchers. So we have the Hunter Stricklands of the world, the Matt Bushes, <laughs> oh, um, you know, those kind of guys uh, past the bullpen mark here. Um, There's a couple guys that you and I were talking about before the show that um, definitely fill a need for the Blue Jays that I really think they need to look into. You want to talk about the one? Uh, right now, the one that stands out is Luis Avilon as a lefty. Uh, he pitched well down the stretch with the White Sox last year, so and they need another lefty in the bullpen. So Luis Avilon is definitely somebody that well, they'll probably be taking a hard look into. You mentioned um, you mentioned Andre Strickland. Imagine his velocity at the back end of the pen with Ken Giles coming out and guys who can just pump gas right by you at a 98, 99 to 100. So there's a lot of very interesting names who could be had for cheap. And Blake Parker as well by the Angels. He was really good the past two years. I'm very surprised he did get non-tendered. Uh, he is 33, but he was really good in the pen for the Angels in 2017. And last year, a little worse, but he still wasn't bad at all. So there's three quality arms that they could pursue right away. Yeah, uh, I am 100% sold on the fact that you got to get Luis Avilon in here. <laughs> I just, as much as I actually liked Tim Meza, 
he hasn't proven to me that he can take that next step and run away with those innings. He's in that kind of a la like uh, version of uh, early Ryan Tapera, where he couldn't yeah. figure out if he was going to be a you know a AAA player or if he was going to make the full swing to being a major league player, the quadruple or uh, the quadruple A player, you know. <laughs> okay, um, and, 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 he and fi- then Tapera finally figured it out. But right now, I don't know. We're running into this season if I can fully trust him to be that guy. And I want to win ball games, regardless of this thing with this team. You know, it, it builds the culture with these young players that already know how to win in the minor league system. You don't want to just leave this thing out in the, out in the wind. Bring in a oh, Avalon, you know, and reassure that good, solid lefty. And then you have Meza to be the fallback guy if you need him, too. But he doesn't have to eat up the yeah. the big hinging in the innings at the end of a ball game when it's on the line against, you know, I'm going to go like equivalent of David Ortiz against the lefty in the lineup, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, and and some guy uh, Dan Jennings is another lefty who got non-tendered by the Brewers. He mm-hmm. had a 3.22 ERA last year. Dan Jennings is yet another guy who could be that lefty comes in if it's not Avilon. And Xavier Cedeno also a lefty who got non-tendered by the Brewers. So there's a few quality left-handers beyond that top tier relievers who they probably won't be spending money on. Imagine grabbing both those lefties, watching Joe Biagini mm. to stay in Buffalo for the rest of the season, and then having Hunter Strickland to back up the back of the uh, bullpen right in front of Ken Giles. That'd be lovely. Tapera, <laughs> Giles, and Strickland all throwing in the upper 90s and, uh, for the last three arms in the bullpen would be absolutely lovely. And it'd be a nice change because they haven't had velocity like that ever, really, other than a soon of the past few years. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry if I just fully went like the mega happy ending there for you, like from Wayne's World, and went. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got we got to drum up excitement for this team in 2019, man. Like there is a lot of good storylines, and people, the casual fan, will fail to realize that. So, got to try to bring that to light. Yeah, and all those casual fans are clearly chomping at the bit seeing uh, the, our episode from last week with Prospects Live got 200 and something hits yesterday. It was a week old. <laughs> Well, the Wednesday wallop is going to be the new thing that everybody's waiting for to come out every Wednesday morning for their drive into work, their their morning gym, or just some time to something to listen to once you get into the work into work in the morning. So yeah. hopefully uh, those hits keep on coming for the Wednesday wallop. Damn good, damn right, man. <laughs> so far, so good. The shenanigans will continue. So, um, is there anybody else that you wanted to talk about on this non tender list? I don't know. I mean. There's a lot of meh on here and guys who just probably won't be brought in. I mean, for back end of the rotation stuff, Graveman, Shoemaker, I don't really want to touch them. Uh, Scope got non-tender by the Brewers after being horrendous after the trade from Baltimore, but they don't need a second baseman. Yeah, that's that's throwing everybody in our bargain bin. (laughs) Yeah, Matt Matt Davidson was non-tender by the White Sox who have a ton of power, but... He I honestly like him, too, do but job. I don't know where I'd put Yeah. Yeah. I don't, he doesn't really have a spot unless it's Smoke was to go, but we've seen the way the market's played out for guys like Smoke, like just our CJ Crone, even Davidson. Uh, Smoke's better than Davidson, but even still. Uh, Justin Bohr. on them, both those guys. That's the big thing. Exactly. So there is no space anywhere for Matt Davidson right now, but he's got a ton of power. Yeah, I mean, other than the guys we touched on, the bullpen arms, Shelby Miller, um, and if they wanted to really dumpster dive and go after the shoemakers or Graveman, the rest of the list is pretty meh, as you would expect yeah. with a non-tender list. Yeah, 
if you had to grab one of those guys out of that list, who would you end up being the guy that you would grab for the Blue Jays' current state of things? Yeah, I mean, I it, it's, it, right now, I think the biggest need that they need to fill is the bullpen. So Avilon, Dan Jennings, one of those lefties, or Blake Parker are probably at the top of my list. And you know what? If they really want to get fancy and, and try a reclamation project, then Shelby Miller instantly goes to the top of uh, top of the list. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, my friend. Unless the Blue Jays do decide all of a sudden to throw out Kevin Pillar, do you grab one of these other outfielders in the Garcia ballpark, or even just bring in Billy Hamilton in because he's the kind of comparable player? <laughs> if you all of a sudden don't have yeah. Kevin Pillar, but I I just think that they need to figure out if they want to stick with Kevin Pillar this spring if they wait that long. There's yeah, too, much, you know what? too much going on, and I think Devin Travis is in that same part of that conversation. I'm going to give Devin Travis a little bit more leash time on that, though, to figure things out, unless Troy Tulowinski is all of a sudden playing. I have to have <laughs> freaking Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in this lineup every day, period. I don't care if he's doing good, doing bad, doing insanely good. I just think he's – you can't let him sit on the bench. Kevin Pillar right now is that kind of roadblock that could open up so much possibilities for where the Blue Jays could go. So I I think he will be here to open up the year, but if they want to start getting creative with the way they're going to shape the 2019 team, Pillar is that piece that just needs to go to free up some more avenues to get creative. Yeah. So anyway, I'm not going to beat the dead horse here with these non-tenders guys, but <laughs> so... Brennan, we're going to wrap things up. So give me your Vlad Guerrero arrow shoot here. <laughs> what do you got working on, and uh, what's going on uh, with your writing and Blue Jay scribblings? Yeah, I scribbled something tonight on. We didn't really dive into this. We talked about it before the show. Maybe this could be a topic for two weeks from now when the next Wednesday wall comes out. But if the Mariners continue their uh, fire sale, they should be 1,000% kicking the tires on a bigger trade to land Mitch Hanniger. And he's under club control until 2023. And based on the current state of the roster, and people think that a competitive window could open up in 2021, maybe 2022, uh, Hanager could be around for two or three of those years when the, when the window's open. So that's my next piece coming out, that he just makes a ton of sense to make a big trade for. And as you and I know, that reopens the discussions from last year on if you consider dangling Obachet for last year with Kelch, this year could become that same conversation from Chaniger. So that's an entirely different show topic. <laughs> <laughs> but the Blue Jays do, if they did want to make a move like that, we have all the pieces and all the chips that the uh, Seattle Mariners would be salivating over. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You could sell, right now you tried maybe sell high on a guy like Kevin Beasley or Kevin Smith to steer the Mariners away from which seems unlikely, but I won't give away the remainder of that piece. <laughs> yeah, I really think that you could probably even package a couple of those guys from watching the other trades that have happened with the Mariners so far. They're I, they're trying to get quality, but they're also trying to get quantity at the same time. So they're, they, yeah. they're a beleaguered minor league system that's been bleeding out players to try being competitive at the major, major league level probably for about the last five years for the most part. 100%. Hundred percent, no doubt about that. So, and this is a guy that we're talking about that could, you know, easily hit twenty home runs every year. He had twenty six last year as his first All Star season. So, 
seems like a trending up. I'll look forward to reading that article, my friend. So beautiful. Um, as for me, we got a new website, man. I don't know if you've been uh, clicking around yet or I, not. I have. I like seeing my name up there as regular contributors. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah, give me some more blurb. I actually literally stole that one from somewhere on the internet for you. <laughs> that, that was, that's my J-Journal blurb. Maybe I'll yep. give you something different to spice it up. Yeah, I just was trying to populate some of the stuff up, and we'll run with it as we get going here with everything else. But, yeah, so all you listening here to the Wednesday Wallop on Jaybird Watching, hit up jaybirdwatching.com, and you can, uh, you know, follow everything. Um, I'm also trying to put up the articles of anybody that is our main, you know, show contributors like Brendan Panikar here, and we'll just kind of make it one-stop shopping for Blue Jays news and anything that goes along with the Blue Jay line with any of our writers and wonderful podcast personalities here. So, we'll we'll continue to feed the content beast. Yep, and we're all one way or the other. Um, so far, we're so good in this off season, man. We've been able to find somebody to be on this show. <laughs> every week so far and um at the last i saw we were number four on the uh podcast uh trip tracker on the uh blue jay aggregator site so something somebody's listening i don't know who not enough feedback coming back this way so blue jays fans come on yell at us tell us how bad we're doing yeah (laughs) identify yourselves give us some more things to talk about i mean luckily we've the show has been filled with good stuff to talk about but if you're listening Send us tweets. Yep, and um, and if you get bored with tweets or even looking to have fan chats on this show, you find if you're one of the first people to actually get back to uh, me on Twitter on this whole thing, and you're listening out in you know the wonderful internet land here, please hit me up on Jaybird uh, Birdwatching GC on Twitter, and you know we'll just have a talk. I'll interview you on your Blue Jay fandom, and we'll see what kind of goofing off happens. Uh, we had that happen a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know if you listened to that one or not, Brennan, but we had Alicia Legg from uh, Way North. <laughs> yeah, I did hear that one. That was a good one. Yeah, so it was fun. It was something different, and I definitely have not seen any other podcasts doing anything like that. So it was, uh, if you've got your Blue Jay fandom and you want to talk, let's hash it out for a half hour and see where this thing goes. Absolutely. So anyway, Brendan, it's a pleasure as always, my friend. So yeah. What do you think is going to happen Absolutely. this week before we sign off? Is the Blue Jays going to still sit around with all these guys? <laughs> Probably. You know what, man? I doubt we see a move until after Christmas in the new year. Probably it'll be January type thing. So, I don't know. Maybe something will become of the winter meetings, but it'll be a lot of stuff happening around the Blue Jays, which uh, will affect them as well. Yeah, I think that's going to be a lot of recon and just playing out and seeing where the market's going to go. And I think that's the Blue Jays' best strategy at the point. There's a lot of these guys that are in the free agent market, pitching being the one weak spot in this market. They probably can take advantage of some of these, you know, excess relievers, good hitters on the market, and maybe you land something cool that will make this team all that much better even for 2019. So, anyways, I, I will make I will make a prediction to sign off on to add some potential intrigue for our next recording, which I think is supposed to be the 18th of December. So, yep. the December 19th Wednesday wallet. J-Hap will be signed by then, so we'll have something to talk about with J-Hap signing. That's my bold prediction. He will sign within the next uh, time frame of recording episodes. Yeah, I really don't think you're probably too far off on that. I think people are going to see the intrigue over Hap over Evaldi. Just because of the track record, I think. He's safer, too. Yeah, Much safer signing in my mind. Been Mr. Consistency since his time with the Pirates. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So... 
Anyways, buddy, uh, peace out. And Blue Jays fans, don't forget to catch us out here on Anchor.fm, who is actually sponsoring this wonderful podcast now. Um, I'm making literally pennies to the dime. <laughs> but and, and by pennies to the dime, I mean, um, yeah, there's nothing there. <laughs> but Anchor FM has uh, been doing a very good job hosting this podcast all the way through 100 episodes now, Brendan. You, I can't believe it's been that many, but we're still here. There's going to be another 100 in 2019, so let's keep going. Easy, <laughs> especially with the morning mash episodes and stuff like that. It racks up quick. So make sure you hit those subscribe buttons so you know where we're going to be. We will have something for you. I've been trying to get these up every week. Wednesday, we're going to have the Wednesday wallop all off season for you every other week. So that week sandwiched in between, we're going to have something fun like fan chats. Last week, we talked nothing but Arizona Fall League with the guys at Prospects Live. It's been very interesting off-season so far here at Jaybird Watching, and we will continue to find fun things for you to listen to on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, this, that, everything else. So make sure you hit those subscribe buttons so you see the new episodes on your Wednesday commutes. And anyways, other than that, let's go Blue Jays. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.